This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Maybe it'd be easier at this point to perhaps reverse engineer our game plan. And maybe I'll cite a couple of things that I will not say on this edition of Cardinals Underground presented by Pacific Office Automation. Maybe it's my promise. Do you? (laughs) I, Andy, will be one. Uh, Number two, I will miss my cue on Isaiah Simmons. That probably, in fact, I already have failed to to say that each of the last two. So when you're talking about things I will not say, Uh I guess you do have to include that. Can we can we pause real quick? I can run upstairs to my desk quickly, make my bingo card that I forget to do week after week, and (laughs) then we can restart. Okay, here we go. I mean, it took 13 seconds for this just to blow up in my face. Things I will not be saying, Pauly podcast, (laughs) as I look at a snarky, laughing Darren Urban and a skeptical Danny Sarek. Um, I'm not going to whine or gripe or grouse about the weather that we just experienced in Denver because, like, by tomorrow, it's going to be sub-zero. So less than a week after we left Denver, uh, hashtag, it can always get worse, and it will in a very significant way. So there's that. And by the way, Danny, you alerted me to the one tweet from the NFL Insider who is a who broke down the forecasted temperatures for this weekend's games. <laughs> Thank goodness State Farm Stadium has a roof. That's oh, all I got to say. Oh, That's the gift that keeps on giving this holiday season. Climate control and a roof that you can close at State Farm Stadium. So is it going to be closed on Sunday? Are you predicting something? <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's a good point. Even if it's open, it's not going to be as cold as those other games. Actually, you know what? Open the stinking roof because I'll be in the booth. I'll be enjoying climate control. So, Danny, you're going to be down there. You deal with any and all elements in the weather yeah. conditions down there. Yeah. So for once, I'm in favor, actually. Of just dealing with whatever, you know, the weather Was that just a humble brag from Paul that he's no. doing the play-by-play this week? No. I think it was. No, we're going to get into why actually um, the presence of yours truly up in the booth is a bad thing for everyone involved. I'm going to break that down a little bit later. I, I, I Unfortunately, I probably have to own something, but I'm not there quite yet. I saw this trending article, okay? Things you should not be saying in the uh, workplace. This is the list of the top. So, <laughs> wait, I'm sorry. You're going to read a list of things you shouldn't be saying in the workplace at your workplace <laughs> not with a microphone in front of you. Not, not things that will get you fired or terminated, <laughs> Danny. My goodness. Okay, I'm ready. I'm t- can I finish the list? Yes, yeah, sorry. It's the top five passive-aggressive phrases that me- make people respect you less. Okay. Microaggressions. Number one on the list is when you say the words, just a friendly reminder, dot, dot, dot. According to this public speaking expert, quote, this phrase only camouflages your request and makes the other person think you're trying to nag, blame, or be bossy. When you say, hey, just a friendly reminder there, Hanrahan in sales, that uh, dot, dot, dot. Oh, I know what one of these is going to be then. Uh, Another one is... um, Why? Because you say it all the time? Another one would be if Darren's... No, No offense, but... Yeah. So if Darren said to you, Danny, 
don't take this the wrong way, but... <laughs> I would immediately take it the wrong way. <laughs> right. Yes. Because it's described as lazy and self-serving logic from the person who does say it, and it almost always prefaces something annoying or offensive. I think we agree with that. Um, since Darren uh, specializes in the sarcastic at times, uh, there's also the two words... I don't know what you're talking about. The two words, got it. Meaning, if Danny said something to you, Darren, you said, got it, as in, you know, uh, translation, shut it, I heard you, or you're annoying me, leave me alone. Got it. There's that. Get off me. Right. I should be writing these down so I can yell all of them at you over my desk, Paul. And then this is one I'm, I'm totally guilty of using with my teenage punks at home. Uh, it, it goes something like this. If that's what you want to do, dot, dot, dot. If that's what you want to do, that's pretty passive aggressive. Because right <laughs> definitely implies disapproval. Put it that way, right? It, it, other sayings along those lines would be "just so you know," <laughs> or for future reference. Ooh. These are all things a parent might use with a teenager around the house. I like the one in the email where it says, "Per my previous email," or. <laughs> Per my previous request. That's actually in the list, others receiving votes. Yeah, per my last email, dot, dot, dot. That's, that, that qualifies as passive-aggressive. When, when we email each other before the show about you know any topics we want to talk about, that's yeah. how I'm just going to respond from here on out. So I guess maybe that's my way of avoiding the first topic on this edition of Cardinals Underground, and that would be what Darren terms the quarterback quandary. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Where, where are the Cardinals at? Right well, now, right now, as we record this, we've got Colt McCoy in concussion protocol. We've got Kyler Murray uh, on crutches, on crutches, uh, trying to get some prehab done in the in the facility before he has a surgery. And we have Trace McSorley apparently uh, lining up to have his first NFL start Christmas night on national television against Tom Brady. Unless David Blau beats him out during David Blau is in Cal during a couple of walkthroughs. Watching when the 49ers played the Bucks with Brock Purdy, his first career start was what was that stat? Was it he was the first player to beat Tom Brady in Tom his Brady first career in his start? first career start, yes. Things are trending the wrong way for Tom Brady. Do you, do you see the last stat that just happened in the, their most recent loss last week against the Cincinnati Bengals where they led 17 nothing? Tom Brady had been 89-0 and 0 in games he had led by 17 points or more, and they lost. So these are first-time happenings in a career that spans nearly two dozen years. First time he's lost eight games in a season. There you go. So Wolf and I talked about this with the head coach Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff didn't want any part of it. Actually, it was the part where Cliff was not sitting there as a former teammate, and Wolf brought it up. You know, if he would have had some guts, he would have brought it up when Cliff was actually sitting there. But... Does that is that a sign? Are all these things combined? All these first time occurrences for Tom Brady? Does that tell him something that this is the end? When these things are happening, historic happenings for the first time in more than two decades, isn't that a sign? You know what? The football gods are telling me this might be the end. Uh, I I'm I'm trying to decide how I want to say this, but if. If everything that seemed like it happened um, preceding his 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 personal life and his divorce happened to come back this season, I, I don't know why now is the time you're going to walk away from it, right? I mean, you pretty much pushed all your chips into being an NFL player. 
I don't think he's going to want to end this way either. Yeah, it's true. That is true. Um, I'm just saying. Although Larry Fitzgerald didn't have the greatest ending to his career, walking off the field in sweats at the L.A. Rams. You're right, but I I always felt like as much as Larry loved the game, and he did, there's something about Tom Brady who – that guy guy is – almost feels like he's going to fade to nothing if he doesn't get to play football, whereas Fitz had so many other things in his head that he wanted to do. Well, I I did ask Cliff during his TV show – that year you spend in the same quarterback room with Tom Brady, is there anything that you can pass along to your current QBs? And, and he just said the utter commitment that Tom Brady made to football. Everything, every day, virtually every moment, all offseason, all committed to being the best football player he can be. I just, I just read a story. I was trying to do some research, and I saw a story that Cliff brought up a couple years ago on a podcast where they were – they were at a wedding of a friend uh, at some the way the way Cliff described it on the podcast was it, w- it was like a beach resort that was basically like an adult candy land is what he called it. And many of the people the day before the wedding, including Cliff and Tom, apparently enjoyed themselves quite a bit in the evening, had quite a bit to drink. Now, Cliff still got up in the morning, but he was kind of like, OK, so he's, he decides to grab a golf cart to kind of drive around, see what's around. And he's driving past the beach at like 730 in the morning. And Tom Brady is out there with an assistant going through a full workout. And when Cliff saw him at 730, Tom was already drenched in sweat doing like these resistance bands workouts. And wow. And they had both been up late and doing and it's yeah, I'm like, man, that's that's committed. That's the point zero zero one. I mean, I know Danny works out like that, but the rest (laughs) of us, if we're going drinking doesn't happen i mean that's uh so let me ask you when you guys watch hard knocks in the last episode it was the last episode right where cliff's driving into work Mm -hmm. at three something in the morning yes and he's lamenting that maybe he didn't put everything he had into his playing career and he was certain not to make the same mistake twice in the what he called the second phase of his career meaning coaching how much of that do you think maybe he gleaned from tom brady and once his playing career was over he regretted it that much more because guess what? He had a guy as a teammate that he easily could have followed his lead in a lot of ways. Right. I would imagine, though, that even if you're taking note from somebody like Tom Brady, nobody can really do it like Tom Brady. Um, but that was a really interesting note of, I think, maybe why we had heard stories about how early Cliff gets to the facility, how late he stays. And it's kind of, it was something we don't really hear from him a lot of kind of opening up as to why that's the case and trying to that this second phase that he talked about not make those same mistakes he did as a player. Do you guys like in that press conference after that episode when I asked him and I said, "Do you really get here at 3:15 in the morning every day?" <laughs> and he kind of smirked and said, "You want to come here for a week and see if I really show up at that time?" And I was like, "I do not. I take your word for it." The worst, the most ungodly part about that is he doesn't use the snooze alarm. That, that's that, that's almost clinically insane. Okay, to wait, wait a minute. That's like pathological. It goes off I, at three in I the morning, and you don't hit snooze at least once, Darren. No, I never use snooze. Oh, oh at least at never. minimum twice for me. No. I set my alarm earlier, knowing that I can snooze and get up when but I really what, want to. What's the 
what's the point of that? Because then I can just kind of be in like a lighter sleep and it can be no, a little easier to get no, up. I never, ever, ever use the snooze. It's funny, Darren. Uh, Darren's on the outside of this one, Danny, because I, I hit it twice as well. The first one is denial that, yes. it, that it went off. And then the second one is you need 10 minutes to cope. Yes. Yeah. To actually get yourself that's like That's like people who set their clocks five minutes fast. So they got, <laughs> no, that drives me up the no, wall. That's, 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 that's what. That's not the same thing. You know, that's what Kyle Deroni in our department, one of our videographers, yeah, does. Kyle doesn't he, know what the his, hell he's doing. His car, he's from New Jersey. His car time is still set to East Coast. That way, when he gets in his car and he's driving to and from work, which is when he likes to talk to his family, okay. he knows what time it is. And I but said, well, why would, he just, why would he just have the time for where you are and add the time difference? And he was like, no, this just is easier for me. I I will say that I kind of understand that a little bit better, but the but what you the, understand that better than a snooze alarm? Well, yeah. Oh my I, goodness. Again, I don't oh understand. You know, I, I'm going to start getting, using passive aggressive. We're, we're, we're getting here. way off topic here, <laughs> okay. but I, I have a big problem. My my older son was having issues getting up in the morning quite a bit at one point, and he's got three alarms set, and I'm like, dude. Get your ass out of bed when the alarm goes off. Just I mean, a friendly reminder. It's time to get out of bed. Don't take this the wrong way, son. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, no offense, but people who use right. the snooze alarm, <laughs> right? So anyway, are dumb. Yeah, I don't know. I, I will How say do we this: even get on this, oh, Cliff. If we go back to the COVID year, Danny, I- I'll save you having to get up at three in the morning and be out here all week. The COVID year, when I was doing morning radio, and I'd be at the station at five a.m. ish, so I would get here around four twenty, four thirty ish, and Cliff was here. He, he was already here. So I don't know what time he gets in, but he's in there working out. And there was one car in the entire parking lot, the entire facility, and it was his rig. Put it that way. Wait a minute. So, why were you here? Because I had, to do, I had to do early testing. Remember we were doing testing on a daily basis? Oh, the testing. The 2020, yeah, yeah, the yeah, COVID yeah, yeah. year. Oh, my God. And Let's I'd have to come in that. I forgot, I and do that first. Blacked out on my memory. Before I went in. I forgot about the testing. Not cool. So... Uh, anyway, getting back to the whole uh, quarterback <laughs> dynamic. Let's hear your segue. Here's my yeah. Where's the segue? Here's my here? fear. Here's my fear. Before I actually take blame for the quarterback situation that we're going to see on, on on Sunday night on Christmas night, my fear is that okay, if you have Kyler, let's go, let's ball, let's play. If you have Colt McCoy, hey, in twelve we trust. I believe that's the sentiment in that locker room. I think you guys agree. There's a lot of confidence, belief in Colt McCoy. What is the belief level, the other 52 guys on that roster, in the current quarterback situation? And to me, that becomes an X factor. That becomes a wild card on Sunday night in this game because in some ways it harkens back to where the Cardinals were between Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer and Kyla Murray. We never quite knew what you were going to get from the rest of the team because there has to be that underlying confidence and belief that you have a quarterback to lead the team. And then the subset of that is if you get down by 10 points or more, do the guys shrug their shoulder pads and say, you know what, that's it, we're done. This is interesting because, of course, when you when you talk to players and coaches, they're going to tell you they have confidence in Trace McSorley. And that, that that's all you really can have at this point is you're trusting that he's doing the work and he's going to be as prepared as he can. What's hard is that I really don't think you know what you have in him even just from practices or preseason games. I mean, we we saw how different the team looked from preseason to when that first game against the Chiefs. Like, And that was so long ago. I think it's so hard to know what you really have in Trace. I think you know that it's very different than Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy. 
not only the physical attributes of Kyler and the arm and the legs, but when it looks at when you look at what Colt brings, the knowledge and the understanding and the patience and being quick and decisive. And I just it's possible. I mean, you look around the league, Brock Purdy's a great example of somebody who you probably didn't expect to come out and play the way he has when it was time for him to step up. So there's a chance that Trace could come in. Um, I don't know how much of the second half against the Broncos was just on Trace McSorley or just the fact the Cardinals weren't having a good game to begin with, even with Colt McCoy. Um, But I think that it's going to be very interesting. I don't think you can expect to have like that true leadership or or anything like that, just because I think he's going to be focused on so many other things in his first career start that other players, other veterans are really going to have to step up and make sure everybody is maintaining their composure and confidence in each other. I I don't want to. I mean, Trace McSorley is a guy that I, I'm I'm kind of excited to see what he would look like with a week of practice. But he's a third string quarterback. We've been through this before, Paul. We yep. have seen what happens. We yep. we just did a uh, a folk tales on Jay Feely when he beat the Broncos, and that was John Skelton's first start. And uh, they won that game probably in spite of kind of how John Skelton played, you know, and or Ryan Lindley playing down the stretch in 2014. Oh. I mean, th- there's a reason these guys are third yep. string quarterbacks. And, and I'm not, you know, everybody's got a role to play, but that's that's where we are. And and I just I don't I don't know what you I think a lot gets put on the defense in that regard. And. You know, playing a, a Buccaneers team that is desperate—that's that's a tough, that's a tough ask. You know, you're going to have a Trace McSorley game plan in. Okay, you're, you're going to game plan accordingly for his skill set and the style of quarterback he is. Would you say there's a bigger difference in quarterback style and skill set going from Colt to Trace McSorley versus going from Kyler to Colt? Because Trace and Colt are too vastly different quarterbacks to Danny's point just the experience alone and the ability to read and react and make decisive quick throws I, I see what you're saying I, I and the I, fact that he really is more of an athletic running quarterback that's what he was at Penn State that dual threat you know, he's not the guy who's you can expect to sit in the pocket and diagnose a defense and go through his reads right well I mean there's it's gonna first look of all you're, you're hoping yeah I mean it's gonna be different you're hoping he can do some of those things I mean he's been in the league a couple three years I mean you're, you're hoping you can be at that point but again all that gets put into why a guy is is a third string quarterback and why he was on the practice squad for part of this year and why he was on the practice squad of the Baltimore Ravens I mean if he was doing some of those other things then maybe he would have moved up and and I am curious to know how it will play out and and again with a third string quarterback, do you want him running as much? Well, I will say this the play call on third and one at your thirty four where Colt got injured, that was a that was a Trace McSorley play call to me. I mean, do you guys look it was after the game, but after processing that whole moment down in the field, I'll be honest with you, that came back to the question. Why is Colt put in that situation in the first place? Okay, the zone read. I'm glad you're bringing that up. Let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Um, I understand the people that have an issue with that play call. I suppose uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I asked Cliff Kingsbury about that. He said the idea was to give it to James Conner. Now, watching the playback, 
if he gives it to James Conner, he's probably tackled for like a one-yard loss because that linebacker crashed because he wasn't expecting Colt to run either. I get that. I understand that. And maybe you could call a different running play where it was straight James Conner. I understand that part. But for that play, okay, it worked. And I, I guess I'm a little confused why you think you would run that for Trace McSorley but not for Colt McCoy. That particular play trying to get one yard. Well, two, that's not about that's not about getting in open space and going any place. Well, two twofold. I mean, Trace is an experienced running quarterback who is accustomed to taking hits. But and this is a tough thing to say, the value of a Trace McSorley is far below that of a Colt McCoy. It's one thing to go from Kyler to Colt. It's another thing when Colt is in and then the drop off to the next quarterback okay. or two on your roster is, is severe. I guess at that point, the risk reward is so lopsided towards the danger factor. To me, I just I'm like, why risk twelve in that situation, Colt McCoy? I, I get now. To your point, you're right. It was a fluke and the way it happened. And I, I just I don't think it, we're having any you know? of these conversations so, if if he hadn't yeah. gotten hurt on yeah. that play. So and that that's yeah. the thing that bothers me. Once again, it's that risk reward factor on it that just yeah. makes me wonder. And, and you know, but look, that's that's neither here nor there for now. I, are we going to see Cole McCoy this week based on what the Broncos did with Russell Wilson? I'm guessing not. I mean, even if he does pass concussion protocol, you err on the side of caution, a phrase that Cliff Kingsbury has already used, and you saw what the Broncos did with Russell Wilson. We'll see if that's indeed the case with Cole McCoy. If not, it's David Blau, is uh, right, is the other quarterback now behind Trace McSorley. I've yet to do my requisite prep on David Blau. How about you, Danny? What do we know? Not much, at least for me. I mean, he was in Detroit. He was on Hard Knocks. He was one of the storylines oh, on Hard Knocks. Wasn't that his wife? His was wife's the, the track sprinter star. Track star yeah. for Columbia, yeah, right? I believe so. That was a cool video. And that was great video, right? She qualified for the Olympics. Watching in the team meeting room. <laughs> and he's jumping up and down. Electric, yeah. Like he's running the race himself. That was really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury said that he remembered him from when Cliff was at Tech, and even then he was a smart quarterback. And I think at this point it's just kind of what's Again, available. I, I've and, said this a million times, and this this even included once Kyler went down. If you don't have your starting – first of all, not every team has a good starting quarterback. Even if you have a good starting quarterback, once you go to your backup, for most teams, that's a huge red flag. And we are now down to number three, and we're talking right now about number four. That's Who's been on the team for a week. <laughs> less than at this point. Less than a week. All right, so motivation then. Uh, James Conner was asked that question. It was something along the lines of the media members said, what can be gained over these final three games? And James Conner paused, and I liked his response. Quote, some respect, end quote. I liked hearing that. You know, look, it's 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 not just about going out there and fulfilling your contract or earning that next incentive, J.J. Watt. Hello, we'll get to that in a minute. You know, yeah, it's about trying to earn some respect. Just win your own battles out on that field, especially when it's going to be on national TV. You're going to have a captive viewing audience. Uh, I'm going to presume a huge viewing audience. Based on last year in the, the Cardinals game against the Colts, they were big big numbers people sitting around on Christmas night watching football so guess what you go out there you try and represent if nothing else you know the name on the back of your jersey since the name on the front's been eliminated from the playoffs and we'll see what happens you know based on based on where the Buccaneers left off in their last game against the Bengals where they blew that lead and in the second half Tom Brady went pick fumble fumble pick 
four straight possessions with four straight turnovers. And the Buccaneers ended up losing a miserable game at home against the Bengals, 34-23. They're 6-8, and eight, and they have a one-game lead in the division, the NFC South, over all three of the other teams, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina, all 5-8. and eight. And by the way, the Cardinals finished the season, uh, actually second-to-last game at Atlanta, then the 49ers. So, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a disparity in motivation because the Buccaneers right now have a one-game lead to win the division and host a playoff game. Can you match that if you're the Cardinals? It's unfortunate the situation the Cardinals find themselves in for the final three games. I think if you had a healthy team, I do think that motivation could be there. And and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe because you don't have so many of your starters out there and you have second and third string players out there, maybe they do have more motivation to show what they can really do. James Conner's been very vocal. We've seen on Hard Knocks in the locker room talking about how it's about being the type of man that you want to be. It's about being a professional. And you can't do anything about the situation you're in at this point. You have to go out and you have to play. And you really have to play for your job. Because it's not just, you know, everyone's watching your film. Whether you're going to be a Cardinal next year or not, everyone is playing and coaching for their job. So there is still something to play for, even if it might feel a little more selfish. But as a team, you want to try and finish strong. And that that goes to the respect that he was talking about. Um Motivation. I, I mean, the Bucks. I would say, have more motivation because they are trying to secure that number one spot in their division. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that even though it looks different, the Cardinals have nothing to play for. It's just not the playoffs. I mean, can you, can you eliminate these, these mental errors? And when I say mental errors, you had yet another illegal shift. You had an illegal formation at Denver. You know, the turnover ratio has not been good over the last four games. Cardinals have been negative six over the last four games. When the first 10 games of the year, they were plus five. And they've had, what, three turnovers overturned? Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, I mean, they don't count, but I'm just saying. Yeah. If Craig Greeley was here, he'd have the answer to that. But uh, he, he's not. All I know is the Cardinals, uh, on those negative six, they've lost that turnover battle 35-6, to six, the opponent. And so uh, they've outscored him in that category. So, yeah, that's how Cliff Kingsbury can rightfully, after the game, start with losing the turnover battle and then cite some of the MEs. And I think his I think answer— we had the same conversation right. last week. And you've been having it week after week. And once again, it's a persistent problem. What do you do about that? Look, there will be blood to some degree. There's going to be roster turnover. You have no idea if there's going to be a coaching turnover at this point. But that obviously has to be addressed in the offseason. Does it come back to accountability? Something that Cliff brought up himself in hard knocks after the New England game on Monday night in his post-game message to the team. I don't know, but it keeps on occurring, and it really is whack-a-mole in a lot of things. It's different guys at different times making different errors, and so it's impossible to just go ahead and precisely target one thing or one person or one group of players because it's different things at different times. But then you get back to the injuries, and this is what makes it difficult, at least to me, to diagnose and discern is when you're up to nearly 80 different players and you're probably looking at your 11th different starting offensive line. And Billy Price was talking in the media and he was pretty blunt and honest and saying, yeah, when I have different guards on either side of me and the difference in making a block or not is a few inches of getting leverage on a guy and getting to the spot and beating him there, but you're kind of going in slow motion or in some cases when your fellow lineman steps on your foot for a millisecond and now that – this is all things that are hashed out in camp, and you get and you don't have any of that when you're literally playing. 
And you go into a game like coming off the New England game in Monday night, and you had two glorified walkthroughs in a Friday practice. So how, how are you supposed to rep any full pads? That's not happening in December. You're, all of that is true, and all of that is right. And again, if you had built yourself a 5-2 and two record before that started happening, then maybe you have some arguments. But the problem is that this season has never really gotten off the ground, even before all the injuries started piling up. And I know there was a lot of stuff involved there, but um, look, this has been a, a, a rough year. I've been covering this team full-time since 2000. I've never been around anything like it. They, I've, I've been around some bad teams. I don't think this team is roster-wise as bad as a couple of the ones that I covered. I've been around some bad seasons. There have been worse on-field seasons, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, but, but again, uh, when you add in everything else when you add in all the off-field stuff when you add in some of the things that should have happened and you add in what was expected you know and that and that's part of the problem you know I I I heard on Arizona sports there was some conversation of whether this was the most disappointing season I, I forget um which one that they had come up with but I keep coming back to um 2016 I would agree. The year after the NFC Championship where Sports Illustrated picked them to win the Super Bowl and then they were under 500, and that's what it feels like. And this obviously is much worse, but in terms of what you're expecting, I feel like that's that's where it kind of lands. Here's the question. You mentioned the five-letter S word, stuff, <laughs> everything that's been happening in 2022, and basically since the start of January. Yeah. That's what I was thinking in my head is the timeline of it's not just football stuff. There's plenty of teams around the league that have been dealing with football drama. Yeah. It, it, drama. It, and Vance Joseph cited it mm, four to six weeks ago in one of his press conferences, just everything that happened in the offseason, and he sort of let it trail off. And here's the question that I asked Cliff Kingsbury on his TV show this week. You tell me if this is a fair question or not. I said, Coach, James Conner was asked about the steady stream and non-football headlines all year long. How much can the off-the-field stuff impact the on-field product? I mean, it's a factor. It's got to be. Absolutely. It's got to be a factor. And what, you know, what did he say? With the amount of stuff that they have yeah. dealt with, absolutely. And he had a great answer. He looked at Wolf and he said, Wolf, you've played for Belichick before. What, is, what does he despise the most? And in unison, they both said, distractions. So just the steady stream of stuff, which becomes distracting – to a team and maybe their focus is that in some reason the foundation of all the different issues at on field you know the mental errors the penalties the dumb i i don't know i don't know is the team not properly locked in and focused i think we'd all agree and say yes to a certain degree especially at certain times how much of that has to do can you attribute to the off the field stuff I would think it's fair to say that that would probably play a large role in that. Um, I think even going back to the beginning of the season after the Chiefs game, when we were already hearing about needing better practice habits, like, and and by that point there had already been so much that had been happening in the headlines. Yes, since the start of the calendar year, but even in the prior month leading up to that, I don't know how much I really fault players now it is their job to tune that out and to focus and and do your job and I understand that and we don't need to go through the timeline because if you're listening to this episode of Cardinals Underground chances are you God have, bless you 
yes, chances are you've been listening to this podcast since everything started happening in January, February with contracts and extensions and off the field issues and suspensions. And I just think at some point, like these players are people and not only being distracted from maybe what you're seeing on TV or online or in the paper, but seeing the guys around you in the locker room not be there or in and out with injuries or coaches that you had been working with no longer in the building. I mean, those are things that no matter how professional you are, no matter how many years you've been in the league, still going to affect you and going to affect your day-to-day process. Well, and I would also argue too, because I know sometimes it's like, well, why is the media talking so much about this or that? And the problem is, is ultimately those on the inside already know all of this. So if it's going to be a distraction, I don't think it's a distraction just because they get asked about it or it's already there. Like the coach thing, even if that had never gone out that people and people talked about missing coaches, that's going to impact your team. Yeah. And you know what? In those roles, you're supposed to be a leader. It's in your job description. So when the older, more accomplished employees, right, who are supposed to be leaders of the younger generation, are failing in that regard, I think it becomes even more problematic and distracting, perhaps. And or maybe even some of the players resent the fact that maybe they're buttoned up in their job. And those leading them are not. That's possible. So, look, that's the the off-the-field stuff. As we hit zoom out and look back at this season on the field, you know, I I think there are two big mistakes that I find confounding, especially about this roster. And and I'll I'll just throw them out there. You guys can agree or disagree, and I know you will. Number one, edge rusher. You obviously obviously should have had a proven edge rusher uh, on this roster, at least beyond what's currently or was on the roster to start the season. And then number two, I would say in hindsight, the center position. I think you easily could have known at the very least Rodney Hudson was a legitimate, serious, significant question mark this year for whatever reason, a multitude of reasons. And, and you know, in hindsight, I think that that center position. It's funny when we start going down the list and there, unfortunately, there's been so many things that have happened that every once in a while, like at some point. I can't remember if I was talking to you, Danny, or if it was Craig, or if it was the three of us, or whatever. I, we were having some conversation, or somebody had brought up the list. I had completely forgot about J.J. Watt's heart situation. That was a big one. The Hudson thing is just strike. I mean, like that happened long enough ago that I'm like, you forget about it. But that was a huge deal because yeah. it changed a lot of what happened in the off season, and and obviously that that did not turn out the way the Cardinals had hoped. Clearly, yeah. because he, I, I don't. He was in there so little and got so little practice time that it just it didn't work out. And obviously, he's not coming back this season. So look, um, there's all that. We'll we'll see where the team goes from here. I mean, am I missing anything? I, you know, in hindsight, so much of this you couldn't forecast, and you, it's difficult to prepare. Like you said, Darren, you're lucky if you have a backup quarterback, much less a third string quarterback. You've gone through more than a dozen offensive linemen. I mean, you can only be so deep. But there are a couple areas that you saw on the horizon, once again, that probably should have been shored up before this season ever began. Edge rusher, center, 
Am I missing anything else? Corner, as it turned out, wasn't nearly the liability I think we all thought it would be. At least when healthy, what you had on paper was definitely capable. That wasn't as big a liability as you thought going into the year. So, in fact, I don't even think it's that. If you get Byron Murphy under contract, I don't think it's nearly as big a need as three or four other areas when you go into the draft in the offseason. No, I agree, and I know we're going to have plenty of shows to go into that. I do think that cornerback, I think your only problem is maybe depth from what you've seen with players not being healthy. But I think despite not having that pass rush, I think you have seen what you needed to see out of J.J. Watt and Zach Allen to kind of counter that and to have at least somewhat, I don't know if an attack, but you know, I feel like they've put up good numbers when it comes to quarterback hits or pressures or things of that nature. It's just unfortunate that they've got more of those than your outside linebackers and your most productive outside linebacker, if you're going to look at the numbers, which it's obviously more than just the numbers, has been, what, Maje Sanders, your rookie, who was inactive for the first four or five games of the season? Yeah, it's it's funny that you bring – I mean, I agree. I think J.J. Watts played fantastic this season, and he had a, a at least an unbelievable first half in Denver before Denver started running every play. Um, and Zach Allen's been great. And you're talking about two guys that – you don't know if they're going to be on the team next year because they're free agents to be. And, you know, I think I think you mentioned Byron Murphy and get him under contract. I think you need to get J.J. Watt under contract. I've, or uh, Zach Allen, I'm sorry. Yeah. Zach Allen under yep. contract. And I think that's really important. And, you know, the J.J. thing is an interesting thing. He's having a great year. He's finally healthy. He's got nine and a half sacks. I think he's driving because he knows he can get maybe one more big contract somewhere. Um he said, I, I loved what he said in the locker room in Denver, and you were there, uh, Paul, I think actually you were there too, Danny, when he was talking about how, um, you know, it sucks, but I, you know, the reality, and I told all these guys is you're playing for what you mentioned before, you're playing for jobs, you're playing for pride, you're playing for professionalism, even if you're not playing for games that will, where wins would actually mean something in the standings, Um but again, if you're J.J. Watt and you're whatever you are, 33, I forget how old he is right now. He's 33, yep. Um, you know, are you going to want to be in a situation where you're starting over with a new coach potentially or at least rebuilding this roster? You know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I would think he'd want to go to a situation. I, he picked this situation because he thought this team was on the upswing, and they were when he signed. And and it worked out well for a while there, and then he got hurt, and everything fell apart, and it's just not good right now. I mean, if you're going to start with a brand-new head coach, if that's the direction the Cardinals are going, then you can easily do that with another team as well. So that's, that's one of the great benefits of staying with your current team, obviously, is you don't have to learn a new playbook. But if that's already going to – they're going to hit the reset button in that regard, then all of a sudden you might just open it up to 31 other teams. Why not at that point? We'll see. We'll see. I did have to shut down a buddy of mine who was like, well, Paul, if you're going to rebuild this team or this team now is a couple of years away again from contending, why would you put big money towards, you know, J.J. Watt or another you know, older free agent defensive lineman they failed in the past with that? I'm like, whoa, hold it there, bub. Don't put J.J. Watt in the same category as a Jordan Phillips, okay? Let's not do that. J.J. makes everyone better around him, and he is a big voice of leadership and reason and motivation in the locker room. He benefits more than just himself in that locker room. It does lead by example. So you know, I, I, that's something, obviously, the Cardinals value. It's, it's akin to bringing back James Conner. You know, they really thought or their Kelvin identity. Or Kelvin Beecham. Or Kelvin Beecham. There's so much more behind the scenes that a typical fan would never see as to their value and benefit 
to a locker room and the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's also shown if you didn't already know it through hard knocks and seeing how JJ practices and the way that he is teaching and motivating not only players on defense, but with Rondell Moore when he had that practice and he had dropped a ball and Rondell was kind of down on himself and JJ went over him and said, you know how many times I've been kicked on my ass? Like you get back up, you make it in practice, don't do it on a Sunday. He brings so much more to the table. And I think that's a lot of the veterans that the Cardinals did bring back this year, I think you could think that same about Zach Ertz and in the tight end room. And there's definitely going to be decisions that have to be made and from both sides of not just what's best for the team, but from a player's perspective of where they see their career going, where they feel like the best fit is for them to finish out their career. It's like we, we don't know what's ahead of us, but I can guarantee you it will be a very busy offseason eventful. eventful i mean you're not all these people are going to have to all these free agents and this team is going to are all going to have to make decisions and moves not knowing what the quarterback situation is when that season starts next year because yeah. it's just going to be yeah. too early in the process which speaking of sorry did you see you want to we did get a a new alert oh, yes, while I recording see that. for those curious talking about quarterbacks hopefully it wasn't really? going to come down to this quarterback update Des. here we go danny the cardinals announced they have signed quarterback james morgan to the practice squad and released carson strong from wow the practice we squad. barely knew you carson Whoa. strong man okay morgan was a fourth round pick 125th overall to the jets in 2020 so these moves are being made right now mm-hmm. am i correct to presume that these are direct maneuvers by Quentin Harris and or Adrian Wilson? Yeah, who else would? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm Captain Obvious over here, but, uh, you know, along with Captain Morgan. Are you over, surprised? What's his name? Captain James Morgan, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm just wondering. So, basically, these two have about a month or so to prove themselves. So, if there's churning of the roster then this is sort of either A, on-the-job training, being a decision-maker with these sort of final roster decisions, and or a bit of an audition, right? Well, here's the thing. We don't know the exact process of how this would have worked in the first place. I mean, again, we're talking about Adrian Wilson, VP of Pro Personnel, Quentin Harris, VP of Player Personnel. For all we know, a, a move like this, a practice squad move, like this, that would have been under their purview all of the long and would have gone to Steve and says, hey, we're switching out these guys on the on the practice squad. Okay. I don't know that, but... Yeah. By the way, Dan, that's the difference between me and Darren. He doesn't have to look down at his sheet to figure out which guy is the VP of pro personnel and which guy is the VP of player personnel. See, I actually have to refer to my cheat sheet for that. But Darren, boom, he just got that at his disposal, at his own recall right there. It's impressive for those who... Uh, you know, aren't aren't privy to be able to see that. I can't. I can't remember a bunch of names in my family, but I can remember <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Can't remember the neighbor's name every time you see him at the mailbox. But hey, you, yeah, yeah hey, exactly, neighbor. yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, I mean, you know, I just, uh, I'm just curious. You know, I don't know how many moves, many more moves could be made. Are they being made for the sake of being made? Do you know, try and see what they can come up with here. And uh, it's, you know, and look, right now, the Cardinals are tracking towards a top five draft pick. Yes. And, and the loss against the Broncos was something actually the Seahawks hated to see 
because the Seahawks went into that game with the number two pick overall because they own Denver's pick. They own their Correct. first two picks, first and second round pick, and they own their first and second round pick next year as well, I believe. All from the Russell Wilson trade? Yes. It's just an absolute haul. And so uh, right now, uh, the Cardinals, depending on how this season plays out, one of those things you keep an eye on is are the Cardinals going to be ahead or behind a Denver's pick because that pick belongs to Seattle. So, for example, if you end up, oh, I don't know, with the number two pick in the draft, if you figure Bryce Young is going number one overall, Cardinals could have their selection between a Jalen Carter, the defensive wrecking ball of a lineman for Georgia, or Will Anderson, the outside edge guy for Alabama. So, in fact, Dave Pash, we're tasking you with that. You're calling an Alabama bowl game, whatever it is, a Sugar Bowl coming up. You need to get a scouting report on Will Anderson, that edge rusher for Alabama, because he could be the number two pick overall to the Arizona Cardinals. Very feasible. We'll see. Oh, goody. Draft talk in December, <laughs> exactly. my favorite. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's... Uh, Don't blame us, Darren. Yeah. What? Wait a minute. Let's go back to the, what was the phraseology? You know, I No mean, offense. I mean, you know, Darren, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> oh, my Can goodness. Can you print out that list for me so I know what to say when I talk to Darren, please? Once again, it's just a friendly reminder. No, avoid that, they say. Uh, <laughs> don't take this the wrong That's the one way. I want to use with Darren. Yeah. And then, you know, if you get the response from someone, got it. Okay. <laughs> That can mean any variety of things, depending on the snark and sarcastic factor involved there. And then there's the the other one. If that's what you want to do, <laughs> or there's the just so you know, or for future reference, dot, dot, dot. Oh, when, you, when you read you know, that, the, when you read, sorry, I, I lost my headphones there for a minute. Um, when you read that off the first time, almost sent a text over here saying, I use that for future reference thing all the time in my emails. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Holmes, that, you're just signaling incoming when you're doing that. That's basically what you're doing over there. All right, anything else uh, here in the uh, others receiving votes section of this uh, power poll of a – by the way, if you want some further motivation right now, the NFL power rankings, oh, boy, uh, not kind. Why, uh, why are we doing power rankings at this point? Okay, I guess you don't want to know then. That no, we don't. Houston's we already know. 32 and Colts are 31. We won't tell you who's thirty. Great. Okay, that'll do it. Well, do you Danny? guys have do you guys have all your shopping done for Christmas? Absolutely not. Yes. Did you do any shopping? No. That's what I thought. I mean, I did a little bit, but my wife took care of most of it. I just had to worry about getting stuff for her, which I, is usually how it works. I outsourced it to the kids so far, and they'll fail miserably. And then forty-eight hours out, I'll have to take over and uh, run the no huddle at the very end, a little two-minute offense, and we'll get it done right before the deadline, Danny. I think that's the way the game plan is going to evolve. What about you? No, I mean I've no. You're not done, or no, you don't have anything left to do. Um, I'm kind of like when it comes like my like we celebrate Hanukkah, and we're just kind of at the point where like oh we God. don't. My siblings and I go in and get like gifts for my parents. And at this point, one of my sisters and I go in for a gift for my nephew. And we just kind of, we don't really like give gifts to each other. We do birthday gifts and things like that, but it's not, not a big. Just being around you and hearing from you is gift enough for you. Well, they're family. not around me. So yeah, FaceTime. Yeah. yeah. My one brother insisted on Secret Santa among all the. Uh, I'm like, okay. So, and there's a money limit on Secret Santa. Of course, you're not going to go below you're going to max out the money limit on the secret santa right but inevitably you just end up changing gift cards so everyone trades yes. a gift card and it's a complete wash and i'm trying to see the exact point of that but i guess it is the thought that counts he actually it's, made the you gotta effort. get in the holiday spirit yeah. so okay Paul. all right so well second straight year on christmas night 
Cardinals will have a game. So Yay. we'll see. And uh, once again, here, I promise this, and at the very end, Craig Grillo, here we go. Um, it's the reverse pash factor. Oh, yeah, that's right. Whenever Paulie play-by-play, Paulie Pinch Hitter sits in. Um, <laughs> there was a 2020 Week 16 game against C.J. Beathard and the 49ers at home, which was a miserable loss. And then there was the game against the Colts where Carson Wentz somehow, some way, actually played above – is production level all season long by a wide margin, and the Colts pulled that one out. That was Christmas. That was Christmas last yeah. year, and now Merry Christmas. And then yours truly again, because see, Pash will be doing ESPN NBA on Christmas Day, hence he won't. Be oh yeah, to, where's Pash going to be? I think it's the Mavericks, and uh, I don't know. He doesn't get to do the Suns game. No, I, he tried. He tried to make that happen. So he he almost was going to do the Suns, and then take the helicopter over to the Cardinals game, but that didn't work per the NBA schedule. So uh, yeah, jerks, it was that. So anyway, there you go. I'm very excited to hear Danny on the sidelines. Are you? No, not really. Remember, Danny, if the play's coming your way, get out. Get if, out of the way. If that's what you want to do, Darren. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> For future reference, Danny, if you get run over, it's not on me because I told you, I warned you, if the play's coming your way, it gets beyond the hash mark, bail! Get out of the way. And if you have to run over one of the team docks to get out of the way and save yourself, do it. Every man for themselves? Yep. And that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes. Well said. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.